0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Where's the try? And he's always prepared to give it a go. On the
1: ball on BFM 89.9.
0: We are on the ball. We're back with football on a Friday night. It's me, Cam Rusland, now hosting you, doing the best I can. I've just been told by the, the pundits that uh, I don't know what I'm doing. The crowd has turned. I'm very upset, but I'm keeping a brave face. And these uh, pundits are we have. Mr. Var Corkhill, sorry, Des Corkhill.
2: We will not get much of a mention this week, but it will get its obligatory mention. Uh, Great job, Cam. You're doing fabulously. We are all behind you like a football board.
0: Oh, no. (laughs) Oh,
1: no. And we have Gogolin.
2: Yes, welcome back.
1: Uh, Yeah, you have my word of confidence. Oh, no. (laughs) It's, It's all falling apart.
0: And finally, Bob Holmes.
3: Well, uh, good to be back. And I can assure you, Cam, I'm not about to put the knife between the shoulder blades.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, this is terrifying. OK, well, today we've we got a packed programme. Let's see if we can get through all of it. We've got a League Cup semi between Arsenal and Liverpool. A lot of midweek Premier League action. We're going to look ahead to the weekend. And I want to talk about also the Covid fixture pile up in the uh, Premier League. African Cup of Nations, and you're going to have your weekly update on Derby County, if we're lucky, and also your weekly update on the Malaysian football scene. But we start with the match that was played a few hours ago on our Friday morning uh, between uh, Liverpool and Arsenal. Arsenal nil, Liverpool two. And I'm going to go straight to you, Des, being a Uh You must be a happy man because I thought Liverpool, a second string. Liverpool work absolutely dominant.
2: It, it's it's an, a couple of second stringers in there. Gordon up front and Keller in goal uh, are the young players. But what a terrific performance. And I think we alluded to this last week. Kind of important for Jurgen Klopp to get into finals and to uh, really get a little bit more gloss onto what's been a sensational time as uh, manager of Liverpool. But the, the trophy cabinet... Although it's uh, got the, the big prizes, it needs more for him, I think, to be considered a, an absolute great, 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 great. He is a great. He's, he's a superstar. But for Liverpool to start making these smaller, in inverted commas, uh, finals is fabulous. And what a way to do it. That performance at Arsenal was comprehensive. Had a bit of fortune early on when Lacazette hit the, hit the crossbar. But thereafter, it was all Liverpool and uh, Jota so so calm I loved his first goal wrong footing everybody completely everyone's somehow trying to blame Aaron Ramsdale for that Uh, but I think it's a really good goal his second goal is just deliciously taken Uh, the linesman's flag goes off so we've got another error which uh, the VAR proponents will say, shoe's exactly why we need VAR. I just want better um, decisions coming from the, from the um, assistant referees and referees. But Liverpool could have won this even more convincingly. It was a fabulous performance and really important because the title, to all intents and purposes, has gone. We can still hope, but the title has virtually gone. So you need to really put your, your, your money on Liverpool trying to get trophies, League Cup, Champions League. And this, this was just a glorious performance. Oh,
0: he, he normally never really goes completely all out for Liverpool. He's always like, oh, no, 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 we, we could do better. We're in, you know, we're, in, we're, not, we're not the best. Gogolin, let's not forget the, um, the losers of this match. I had forgotten about the losers of this match. they a team called Arsenal. And uh, they, the manager was complaining, well, not complaining, who's saying they did well considering they were down to 10 men, but they were down to 10 men in like the last couple of minutes. Uh, what did you think of uh, Arsenal's display?
1: Uh, this just shows the gulf of class between the two sides, actually. To come to say, to think of it, that you know you you you've got Thomas Partey who who's came back from Afcon and gets a red card. You know, he, you're you're using you're scrapping the barrel of players, and you know the gulf in class for a league cup semi is, is, is totally uh, laid bare. like what Dad said, this was actually a very very straightforward win for Liverpool. The, I don't think they were the Arsenal actually troubled them at any point, and. Again, back to my point of showing the global cars. Arsenal are on a rebuilding programme, I admit. But they have a long way to go if you're talking about Arsenal. But I've come back to what Des says. I think the League Cup uh, trophy, with or without it, it's, 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 Klopp has done a great time at uh, Liverpool. I mean, any any club out there would want Klopp right now for a rebuilding project or on any project if they want. United, if it comes to mind, you know, they would kind of have to have a manager like Klopp. So a League Cup is, you know, it's just a bit of a gloss. But it's not really... You can say the league league is gone. I I I I don't think so. I think the Premiership is still there to be won, but the Champions League is what I think club will be aiming all his guns for. Yes, the League Cup is nice to have on the trophy cabinet, but when you look back at his at his tenure at Liverpool, I don't think the League Cup is going to be with with or without the League Cup. I don't think it's going to add anything.
0: Uh, I, I well, I disagree. There, the the League Cup is a famously very important part of the Scouts treble, uh, along with the was it the FA Vars and. The charity shield. Oh,
1: it's a
0: it was a it's a proud it's a proud tradition. Uh Bob, um there's this guy called Diogo Jota. Uh you know, with with the likes of Salah and Mane away, this is an opportunity for someone like him to step up. Is this his time? Is he gonna be uh part of Liverpool going forward?
3: Yes, I think he uh, he's already established himself, hasn't he? Uh, to think that they could have had Timo Werner instead of Jota when they bought him for roughly the same amount of money. But Jota has uh, exceeded expectations, uh, I think. And the way he took the, particularly the second goal, uh, he was absolutely world-class and a world-class uh, ball from uh, Alexander-Arnold. Yet again, absolutely pinpoint. But I, I'd just like to go back to this uh business of uh, whether Klopp is a great, great manager or just a great manager, uh, I don't think you have to win uh, the League Cup to really make the difference. I know where you're coming from, Des, on this. I mean, it does help statistically when you see a bunch of trophies there. But we all know, and succeeding generations will know, the impact that Klopp has made. And I think there's a, a parallel, actually, with Bill Shankly. Bill Shankly never quite got as many trophies as he deserved. And Bob Paisley came in and he won the European Cup three times in seven years. Shankly didn't win it at all. But Shankly always goes down as the number one, doesn't he? Because he started it all. He was the founder. And I think Klopp, obviously not the number one. I mean, he's 30 years after Shankly. But he is the one that brought them back to greatness that brought them back to European royalty, and even if he doesn't win the League Cup, that doesn't matter. He's he was the manager when they won the, the League Cup, just as Rafa Benitez gets deserved credit for being the one after the uh, the year, wilderness years of winning it in two thousand and five. You know, so I think it's the big ones that really count; the little ones not not so much. So, to me. Klopp is a great, great manager, whatever happens from now on.
0: Des nodding enthusiastically there to what you're saying. Um, yeah. It's it
2: just that uh, in 20 years' time, Cam, people will say, well, how many trophies did he win? I, I, can, I can feel it in my 80s, having an argument with some 20-year-old kid who says, ah, oh, that club wasn't that great, and I'd like to be able to point to trophies. But he is, he is an absolute legend. He's, he's, he gets Liverpool, he, he, he understands, and to guide them through its emirates is, is, is a brilliant performance.
1: Uh, when you're 80, the League Cup won't be around anymore, man. Ah,
2: there'll be some If we're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> if, will Farr be around? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah the, will players be around? <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, uh, I think one thing will be sure, that uh, from what uh, Bob's saying then, that uh, Stephen Gerrard will be the Bob Plaisley to um, Klopp's shame. <laughs> so uh, very quickly, though, I really want to just... Uh, Touch on a, a mid-week, midweek match, which I thought was absolutely thrilling and uh, should have been played, I think, 30-odd days ago. Leicester 2, Spurs nil. This, to me, this was, um, this was such energy from Spurs. And there's this guy called Harry Kane, who's a striker there, um, played very well. You know, m- remember his name. Uh, Des, do you think that this was uh, Spurs back at their best? Do you think Conte now has his Spurs?
2: Oh, I thought this was daylight robbery. I thought Leicester dominated, well, didn't dominate, but Leicester deserved to to be in the lead. Um, it's a slight problem if you lead for ninety-five minutes two-one and lose after ninety-seven minutes three-two. Everyone will focus on the last two and a half minutes. It's like that Man United um, uh, Champions League win at, at, at the Nou Camp. Uh, Bayern Munich were categorically streets ahead, but we're only one-nil. United score two in a minute. Suddenly, United are the legend, and uh, Bayern Munich should be vilified for a poor performance. They're similar with Leicester. I, they're not getting a break at the moment. Um, Brendan Rodgers, there's something wrong defensively. There's something just a little bit porous. So I'm actually pointing at, uh, at at Leicester's fallibilities defensively. To get caught, as they did, for that winning goal, was it a five-on-three break against them? That just is not good. Yeah, you've just conceded. What you don't do is go hell for leather and go for a, a winner at the other end. So I'm, I, I, I I can understand the, the, the London press, as they always do, saying, oh, Tottenham are wonderful, Conte is good. And they are improving. They've got a chance of a top three. Mark my words with Chelsea coming this week. But no, this is, this is Leicester's capitulation. If you're winning 2-1 after 95 minutes, you should win the game. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, I'm not going to invite the other guys to speak on this match because I want to talk about Manchester United in a moment when we come back here with On The Ball on uh, BFM 89.9. Deserves a goal, that. Love the return pass. Just wide.
2: On The Ball on BFM 89.9. And
0: we're back with myself, Cam Ruslan, uh, Descorkil, uh, Guglund, and Bob Holmes. And now we come on to another midweek match that should have been played, I don't know, three years ago. It's, uh, it was on uh, Wednesday night, our Thursday morning. Brentford won Manchester United 3. And I'm going to start with you, Guglund. Rani- <laughs> so many talking points with this one. Not necessarily to do with the the match itself, but Ranić takes off Ronaldo. Ronaldo has a hissy fit and... Runyik, I don't know, calms him down wins the day. This I think was an important moment in the rebuilding. Did did or or is this just um unimportant?
1: Oh, it's it's, very, it's it's a very critical point if you ask me. Ragnik showing that you know he he's the manager, he is willing to take Ronaldo off. They were two nil up. He he didn't want to repeat of what happened at Villa Park, I assume, where they were two nil up. So he he, he I think he was going to revert. He even I think he came out with an interview and said he wanted to go back to a back five or something at two nil up. So you know Ragnik, I'm not he's uh, pretty much sure of where he wants to be with the team, but I don't think the team is allowing him to be that. So when to pull Ronaldo off and Ronaldo in his it shows that what's happening behind the scenes at United, that is for late every everybody saw what's happening and behind the scenes you know if you're a player of Ronaldo's stature to be put off at that point he he's he ran himself ragged he's you know 36 years old for him to be pissed off to get off yes he's a pro he's an absolute professional but if he's upset with the manager then that shows there's something happening behind the scenes
0: yeah and Bob you were actually asking the question uh about uh Ronaldo's future but but, can I just uh, talk a bit more about Manchester United there were some real plus points here De Gea for instance had a superb first half absolutely important but this guy McTominay is uh, growing I feel in stature uh, throughout the season and he has a a midfield presence that uh, United have been lacking
3: yeah he has a vocal presence as well um, for a young uh, guy, uh, when he first came into the side, um, I think there some of the United players uh, probably had to Google him as well as um, Ralph Rannick. But uh, he's made his presence felt. He's a, a dynamic player. Um, he's not the classiest. I don't think he's the most talented player in the world, but he does make up for it. And at this point, United... And, well, last, let's go back a year or so when he first came into the side. That's what they needed. They needed some dynamism, some spark, spirit in midfield because they were going nowhere. And he's provided it. And he's got himself into the Scotland team as well. So he deserves full credit. But I don't think he is the classiest midfielder out there. Uh, he does show some rough edges at times. But uh, I think... Uh, in as the United are a work in progress, they would miss him if he wasn't there, put it like that because he has a sort of galvanizing effect, I think, on the team when the heads go down. His never goes down and he's he's worth his place for that and he was the way he strode through the middle of the park for the, I think it was the uh, Rashford's goal or, or second or third goal was absolutely magnificent. I mean, if he can do that, then uh, he's got a lot more to his game than than I thought. So uh, he is improving, but he's not the finished article.
0: Mm. And uh, well, uh, well, I want to move on, actually. But just to say that uh, Brentford have now conceded three plus goals in the last four matches. So things are looking uh, troubled there. But I, w- I want to talk about uh, the covid fixture pile up. Just to give a bit of uh, context to what we've been witnessing, because there are a lot of midweek matches, and it's far more than I've ever ever seen before. These were Some of these matches have been delayed by 32 days, a whole month. We've got now, uh, I think it's over 20 matches delayed, and they've they've found 15 midweek slots available. The winter break that was already only going to be about half an hour long, that looks like that's going to (laughs) be cancelled. And I'm wondering, Des, you're a cynical man. No, I mean, you're a realist. Are some of these big teams taking advantage here with the, uh, with the COVID situation?
2: OK, a, a couple of points on this. This is nothing new. Games being cancelled. Games have routinely been cancelled over the years. There's always been a cold spell in the United Kingdom. Games have always been cancelled. Flu has often come into, into play. Games have been cancelled for flu uh, because teams can't, can't raise enough teams. So none of this, like everything else in football, none of this is new. This has all happened before. It's just uh, uh, there's there's a big social media. Oh, this is dreadful. This is awful. But uh, uh, so none of this is new. That's why they have blank fixture dates. That's why they exist. So nothing is is new here. As to the, the other one. Well, AFCON was a known known. If you've got players out through COVID, legitimate COVID, uh, they, they've got a positive test and the current regulations say, yes, you, um, the, 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 it counts as you You can't play, so a player can't come. I absolutely get if illness uh, restricts you down to a team, uh, down to a squad of uh, 15 players. If you've got 15 players to travel, um, it's reasonable to expect not to play. But if you've got, as Arsenal did for the Tottenham game, a squad of 30 pros and you've got the AFCON, and then they call AFCON, they call on um, uh, COVID, and they call on injuries. Okay, AFCON you knew about. You you should have made um, legislation for that. Liverpool did. Other teams have. Uh, COVID, if you've got enough medical evidence to say that uh, COVID is, is affecting your team, then that's fine. But the squads are so big these days, I find it truly, truly difficult to to believe that teams cannot put out strong first 11s. And you can talk to me all you want about how, oh, they've only got 22 fit players. Only 11 allowed on the pitch at any one time. Um, so that hasn't changed. They'll change many things in football, like these 16-man, uh, five substitutions going on, which we were told would only be temporary. And of course, it's here to stay. Um, uh, no, so to answer your question brutally, some teams are taking advantage, and it's unreasonable. They're cheating.
1: I agree I completely agree with uh, Dez on this one you know there are big squads every premiership squad uh, team has big big squads and you're saying what you're not you can't find 11 football players I mean, we all have problems trying to get football players right and premiership teams they have uh, 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 industry behind them and they cannot get 11 football players to play a game that's ridiculous
0: yeah, and Bob, can I just bring you in quickly on this one as well? Because, for instance, you've got a situation where Chelsea have played 23 matches and Burnley have played uh, 17. Uh, and if uh, Burnley uh, go on to win all those matches, my math is not very good. I think they'd be top of the league. So,
3: uh, <laughs> <but it's... laughs> uh, not quite, but I, I get your point. But that's the... Uh... You picked the two extreme ends of this, haven't you, to uh, strengthen your argument. I mean, most of the clubs are within one game of the team next to them in the table. So it hasn't disrupted things that much, and I don't think there's much chance of Burnley winning all those games uh, or being top of the table. So I think that they've, uh, they've done okay to push ahead with this. They've got to get the season done. Uh, don't forget, COVID hit at an earlier stage uh, this season than in um, 2020. Um, there, they were fortunate that three quarters of the season was done. And there was the summer after that where they could catch up. This time, it, only half or less than half the season was done when we had this Omicron thing arrive. And there's a World Cup afterwards or in the middle of next season so the pressure is on there isn't the room for manoeuvre this season that there was uh, before so I think that's why they've pushed ahead with getting as many fixtures done as they possibly can
0: Hmm. okay well I'm going to move on then to I feel I'm uh, contractually obliged to talk about Chelsea although uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Judging by the match that I, I just saw, uh, very uninspired. Brighton won, Chelsea won. There was a shot by As- Asli... I can never m- pronounce his name.
2: Aspiliceta. Exactly.
0: exactly. And uh, he, he, he was just so lethargic and it just got pushed away by the goalkeeper. And I felt that really summed up uh, Chelsea at the moment. Uh, Goglin, can I ask you, uh, Chelsea have uh, drawn three, lost one of their last four matches. Has Tuchel's magic kind of gone?
1: No, I mean, we. I spoke about this the other day. It's just like every team goes through that blip. Every top team that is challenging for the premiership goes through that blip. And this is Chelsea's blip. They will come out of it. And, you know, if they will come out with a guns fired. They will need to go through this. Uh, I think that whole Lukaku interview actually unsettled the whole uh, team at that point. It was very unnecessary for a player to come out and say what he said, especially a player of his stature. So I think Tuchel had to draw a line in the sand with that one. And it, it, it's affected his team thing. And uh, yes, I didn't expect uh, them to drop points at Brighton. So it was a very, very as you said, a very lethargic uh, Chelsea. Uh, very going through the motions kind of Chelsea. So yes, I think this is their blip, if you ask me.
0: Well, uh, I'm not quite sure what the opposite of a blip is, but uh, Brighton seem to be on that. They're unbeaten in five. They're now ninth. And that's uh, it's looking pretty uh, pretty rosy for them. But I- I'd like us to now look ahead at some of the weekend matches uh I want to start with I think what is a really important match, uh, Des. Watford versus Norwich. It's, um Norwich actually, I'm surprised they weren't doing it then I looked at the points, they're not doing as bad as I thought. And it's it's gonna be at four AM on a Saturday, which is odd. But uh it's a crucial match. Relegation between the bottom four, uh thirteen points versus fourteen points, seventeenth, eighteenth. Uh which which way do you see this one going, Des?
2: Uh, I think this is a a crucial one. It's a Friday night match uh, for broadcast purposes. There's an occasional Friday night match, which is why it's uh, such a strange hour. Um, So Norwich have shown relative kinds of improvements. I think they're whipping boys for the top clubs, but they're capable of producing a a result um, against uh, some of the uh, middle and lower uh, end teams. Watford, who knows which Watford is going to turn up because they can be terrific uh, at home or they can uh, or they can be dreadful away, you, you never know. Ranieri's got to get some kind of consistency out of Watford, but, but I do think they're a stronger physical side, and if they can avoid the, the defensive calamities that they, that, that they often seem to display, that, that um, bedevil Watford at the moment, I can see them running away with this. I'm concerned for Norwich. I don't think they score enough goals. I don't think they have enough presence going forward. They're, they're neat and tidy. They've stopped conceding as many goals as they did, um, with a with change of manager, Dean Smith's come in and, and solidified them a little bit. But, I, I, yeah, I can't see them winning this one. I can see Watford just getting, just getting a, a little bit clear of the relegation zone.
0: There are a lot of really intriguing and possibly very exciting matches this weekend. And, uh, Bob, I'd like to go to you for what could be the biggest headlining match, Manchester United versus West Ham. Now, we're talking about West Ham fourth, Manchester United seventh. But uh, there are only two points separating them, and Manchester United have a game in hand. But do you think that West Ham could uh, hold on to their European spot? Uh,
3: yes, I think so. Um, West Ham uh, defied expectations last season, and uh, following uh, that, uh, they've been even better at times this season. Um, so that it's not a one-season wonder. Operation there that David Moyes has uh, has done. He's built up a very good side in in most departments, and uh, they're actually in better shape than United. But United was showing signs, I think. Um, Against uh, Brentford in the second half. I think that uh, those goals, those breakaway goals, a bit undeserved, a bit harsh on Brentford perhaps, but I think they will have done wonders for United's confidence, particularly Marcus Rashford. If anybody needed a goal, it was him, wasn't it? And he got it. He took it well. And you probably see him score two or three in the next two or three games now. That's how it goes often. It, I mean, it is all about confidence when you're talking about strikers. So it makes this game very difficult to predict. I hope you're not going to do your audit uh, that you threatened last week. I know you <laughs> haven't told us the results, sparing us our embarrassment. Um, very difficult game, this one. Um, But West Ham, they have a certain momentum. They're not going away. When they lose, people think, oh, that's it. You know, they're going to slide now. They don't. They're in fourth deservedly. And it's a real battle between the London teams for what we thought was fourth place, uh, West Ham, Arsenal and Spurs. But United are obviously in that fight too. And Chelsea, <laughs> if Chelsea lose to Spurs, they could be joining it. So it's um, there's no uh, certainty about the top three anymore. A couple of months ago, we were saying it's a three horse race for the title. Now it's not even uh, it's not even certain they're going to be three pulling away. Um, so. West, West Ham are quite capable of winning at Old Trafford. It will be interesting to see what uh, Rannick does with Ronaldo. I'm sure he'll start him. Otherwise, he's likely to have a not just a hissy fit, but a, a full-scale rebellion on his hands. And he, he doesn't want that. So, uh, important game, very important game for United um, and for Rannick and uh, Ronaldo. Because it's not going that great is it for Ronaldo let's face it started well but do you really think he'll be there next season I wouldn't put my house on it frankly
0: yeah well I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna make uh Guglund the uh, the manager of Manchester United for a moment uh, I have that power by the way <laughs> and uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him who would you start with who who what are the players that you would uh, favor what kind of approach would you take do you think for United against West Ham
1: uh, again, the, the team that with uh, that uh, ended that uh, half, at, uh, second half at Brentford is the team that I would. Yeah, the the academy players are showing up. You know, you have players like uh, Anthony Martial and Ronaldo who are you know hogging the headlines and causing so much destabilizing uh, movements within United. When you have so many good academy players playing there, right? These are the things that can be used. So I would stick with the academy players and build. You have to understand, Franking is still an interim manager, so you, they are not going to be playing for an interim manager. The, the whole idea of an interim manager. Is mood in this current age of superstar players, because they all play. Players are playing for the current. Look at Pogba; he's coming up and saying like, stuff on the social media, on in the media, and all that. And it's taking away from what the United are doing on the pitch. So I would stick with the academy players. They have a lot to prove. Greenwood is playing with a smile on his face. You know, are If you ask me as a manager, I would play the, the young boys. You you win nothing with young boys, right? Yeah, we <laughs> well,
0: here at On The Ball, we win everything with the young boys, but I'm going to leave these young boys for just for a moment. We're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back. Uh, we're going to look at a mouthwater- some old mouth-watering uh, fixtures in the Premier League here on BFM 89.9. What
3: about that clearance off the line? How important did that turn out to be in the end?
2: On The Ball on BFM 89.9.
0: And we're back with myself, Cam Ruslan, Gogol and Dez. And Bob, and we're looking forward to the match, which is going to be Saturday, 11 p.m., Leeds United versus Newcastle United. I've been uh, I've been a little bit hard on Newcastle ever since they became the richest club in the world. But then I looked at their position. There's they're on 12 points, Uh, Leeds United, who were were struggling a bit there, but they're they're on, I think, uh, 22 points. Uh, It's getting a bit of a gap there. Uh, They didn't get their Lingard loan that they were trying to get. Uh, Newcastle, do they have a chance in this one or are they doomed?
2: Uh, no, I don't think they're doomed because I think um, uh, the, 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 what I hear of the players they're looking to sign and the, uh, the players they have signed, Trippier and, um, and Wood, I think are sensible signings to get them, uh, ease them away from the bottom of the, of the table. Uh, they may not be winning games at the moment, but they're playing um, better. They're looking a little bit tighter. I can't see a corner being turned by, by Newcastle. Um, although it looks like they're a long way uh, adrift, um, it's only a couple of wins. And if you get a couple of wins, you can just... Had to pull yourself up, up the standings uh, quite considerably because the other teams tend not to win at the same time. So I, I'm less concerned about Wolves. I think that uh, sorry about Newcastle. I think they will pull themselves out out of the uh, the relegation mire simply because of the money, simply because they can improve the central defensive area, simply because they can get somebody up in support of Saint Maximan, who continues to be an astonishingly good player. Wood will just bear all the physicality of that and maybe create a little bit more space for Saint Maximan simply because they're playing a, a slightly more um, practical style. The 4-3-3 is very practical in the Premier League. Uh, it, it's designed to get you a point here, a point there, a win against the teams down at the bottom. So, no, I'm, I'm not that concerned about Newcastle. I am concerned, though, about Leeds. As Arvin suggested, um, I think, on Monday, uh, they, they've lost the spine of their team. And although they've won two on the bounce and that victory over West Ham was was a terrific victory, it was a heart-stopping victory. And I don't see that they're going to be able to get that consistency. I can see them and possibly Everton being dragged down into that relegation battle as Newcastle step up. This I see as a a Newcastle victory because I think Leeds have got problems. Leeds could well be in the relegation zone at the end of the year.
0: Well, Kogel, and I want to actually turn to your experience in this because you're an Aston Villa fan, and you've uh, you've seen it's a big club, Aston Villa, a big name. But uh, you know they've had uh, difficult seasons and been relegated. Do, do you do you feel that kind of same feeling for for Leeds and uh, Newcastle right now?
1: Uh, I mean, you, you like, I'm I'm not convinced that Leeds are in the corner against West Ham. West Ham are really 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 tired players. After big shift file up, so you know, they caught. They there was a sucker punch game, but to, I don't think Leeds are uh, going to be relegated. Though you know, it's it's it, they do have an injury crisis. They do have a lot of players out, but for them to be on the relegation battle, there the worse teams around right now that I could say that that would be the reason the Leeds are now going to get relegated. If you ask me. Mm-hmm. There, no, there's no team. There's no two, no team too big to go down. Obviously, I right? guess Villa found that out. But Leeds, I think, will pull it out. You know. Well, so
0: somebody's got to get relegated. Who is it going to be? I'm not saying right now. <laughs> All right, we'll wait for that one. Uh, well, let's, let's go to the other end of the uh, under the other end of the spectrum. We've already mentioned Chelsea and Spurs, and now they're going to be together Monday, twelve thirty a.m. Um, at Chelsea. I don't know. It looks like I'm, I'm always persuaded by the last thing I've seen. So Chelsea, look run out of ideas, run out of steam, mentioned the Lukaku situation. Spurs, on the other hand, resurgent. They're fantastic with this new guy, Harry Kane. <laughs> uh, am, I, am I just uh, suffering from recency bias, Bob?
3: <laughs> I think you are. Uh, um, I think Chelsea are actually a class above Spurs. Um, Spurs may get carried away with that, um, that victory, the other night, um, I mean, it was there was an element of fluke about it, wasn't there? Um, I mean, it was uh, even more dramatic than the Man City uh, victory over QPR. The famous mm-hmm. Aguero uh, shout by Martin Tyler. I mean, it didn't have the significance, of course, but in terms of uh, time, uh, it was later in the in the game than the uh, Man City two goals. So uh, as a turnaround, in fact, it, they, um, historians always talk about the Premier League only as if football didn't exist before. But they say it is the latest that two goals have been scored like that in a turnaround uh, in the existence of the Premier League. And the way Spurs celebrated, it was as if they'd won the not just the World Cup, but the <laughs> in, Intergalactic Cup as well, wasn't it? But it just shows when you... Th- it's like a condemned man getting a reprieve at the last second. Uh, you know, there's nothing better than that. It doesn't matter if it's just an ordinary league game. But, but that joy, I don't know whether that manifest will manifest itself into actual improved playing form. Certainly, the spirit will be willing. But Chelsea are a tough nut on their own ground. This is a London derby. And Chelsea haven't lost that many matches, you know. They keep drawing matches. And it's partly because Lukaku is not firing. Werner never does seem to fire. Pulisic has been a bit of a disappointment. Um, so they're they're short of goals up front. They could do with someone like Harry Kane. Uh, but um, it's good to see K- Kane back to something like his best. I thought the ball he put through for Bergwijn at the end uh, was was even better than his goal. It was worthy of Trent Alexander-Arnold, that was. I mean, it was absolutely superb to have the vision with the referee g- having his, his whistle in, in his mouth. And you can still produce a pass like that to put it up basically on a plate for a teammate in the 97th minute. Fantastic stuff. So this will be a good game. I, I think it's an intriguing clash. If Spurs win this, then yes, we've got to take Spurs seriously. And I think Chelsea will will struggle to make the top four. But I don't think that'll happen. I, I still stick with Chelsea. I still think that they are a cut above Uh, Spurs and the rest I think the top three teams to me are Liverpool Man City and Chelsea and I think there is a gap between those three and the rest
0: yeah I I think it's a truism that you know never bet on Spurs (laughs) uh but I saw that Spurs' Twitter exploded at the end of that match, and it was, it was Hugo Loris who was trending because he'd run the whole length of the pitch to celebrate, and, and Spurs fans were so excited about Loris doing that. Uh, I, I want to ask you, Des, um, th- uh, there's this guy Bergwine, and uh, he, he scored two goals for Spurs. Is he the real deal? He's, it was only his sixth and seventh goals for Spurs, but they were really sweetly taken. Is he going to be a, a starter now for Spurs do you think?
2: I, I doubt it uh, he's, been, uh, he, he's he's brought on as an impact player very much so but I'll tell you what he is, he's, he's the kind of epitome of what Conte has done with Tottenham, he's, the, he's uh, picked other players who weren't really part of the establishment uh, under Pochettino and, and then subsequently under Mourinho and he's kind of made them important players, I'm thinking of players like Oli Skip in the centre of midfield. So he's just that steady, and he's that McTominay. But he'll improve a team because he'll do the dirty work, which will allow Kane to maybe drop in. Son didn't play the other day, but Son's terrific. But but they've got players like Moura and Bergwijn who can come in and, and really have explosive uh, impacts on, 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 um, on, on a game. So, so the, the, the supporting cast at Tottenham is very much often their weakest link. Now I don't think it's their weakest link. And that victory over Leicester, fortunate though it was, late though it was, I I reckon that that gives them a certain kind of momentum. And if they beat Chelsea and you look at the various moods in the camp Tottenham bubbling Chelsea even when they scored the other night Zaha hardly celebrated it was a strange moment so something is clearly not quite right at Chelsea results wise and emotion wise where everything is bubbling at the moment and conte i tell you what, if i tell you if you drop your energy levels i'm sure conte kicks you up the backside so hard that you would go over that big stand at, uh, at uh, Tottenham Stadium. So I think there's, there's an energy around about Tottenham that could get them a victory here. And then you look at the games in hand, this could propel them into a top three place. I don't think top three is as cut and dried as, as Bob uh, and even Gogs are, are, are suggesting, because I, I think Chelsea are slightly vulnerable at the moment. Blip or no blip, if, if the momentum is with Tottenham, they are good enough to get into that top three.
0: Yeah, that uh, lack of celebration with the Chelsea goal was was very strange. (laughs) It was very peculiar. It
1: it probably was only Brighton, that's why. (laughs) I was thinking, but did he play for Brighton once upon a time? No. Uh, uh,
3: I thought it was because the keeper should have saved it and he didn't want to make a a big fuss, you know. But actually, actually, it was a bit more difficult for the keeper than it looked at first. He bounced right in front of him. And I don't think that was the reason, no. I, <laughs> I agree. There's, there's, some, there's something else, something going on there. Mm.
0: And uh, Gogolin, I want to jump ahead and ask you about what I think could be, could be the match of the weekend. Uh, so many of them could be the match of the weekend, but two teams which are not on a blip, the opposite of blip. Uh, Crystal Palace versus Liverpool, Sunday, 10 p.m., I don't really have anything on my notes because I'm just so excited. I don't really know how which way this one could go. What do you think, Oglen?
1: Yeah, I think we be all out of attacking f if you ask me. You know, Liverpool are back up to their league cup semi-final win. They are on a high, if you're using the same maxim that they are playing at well at this point. And, you know, Liverpool's form, even with the FCON and everything, they they, they are still putting their results where it matters and, you know, with Jota in the form that he is in and against the Palace side, I think we expect an all out. If you ask me about the if you're going to watch it, Neutrals are going to watch this game. It's a really good game to watch.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Bob, who, who do you... I'm not going to go... I don't want to ask Dez because I, I know where he's going to be. <laughs> uh, Bob, do you, what do you think with this one?
3: Oh, it's got to be Liverpool. I think that was a very important win Um against Arsenal in the League Cup Um, and uh, I think uh, the fact that they they've got to the final of that now and they can just concentrate on the on chasing down City any blips from City Liverpool will be ready to pounce and of course they've got to play each other again in the return fixture so a lot will hinge on that but uh, I I don't think Palace um, I mean they've been, I think we all agree, the unluckiest team in the league this season. They do deserve to be uh, above 11th where they now sit, and they, they've got some talent on that side. But uh, Liverpool are two classes above, and I think with Jota slotting in like like he's done, um, you know, the the loss of Mane and Salah has been covered up to quite a bit of an extent and Bobby Firmino is also uh, fit and firing because he didn't um, feature all that much last season. He was injured for quite a bit of the time Um, but he, he looks as if he's coming back to something like his best And you've got Curtis Jones up there. Unfortunately, Oxlade-Chamberlain has sustained another injury. That guy is unlucky, isn't he? Um, But it's not as serious as it first looked, although I don't think he's going to be fit for this game. But Liverpool have got enough firepower, I think, uh, to beat Crystal Palace and and maintain uh, the pressure on City if if there is any pressure. I noticed that City, Sod's Law, isn't it, City only had one player in the AFCON, and Algeria didn't qualify, so (laughs) Riyad Mahrez is back, (laughs) the richest team or second richest team in the world, and they have all the luck as well, don't they?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about AFCON in a short while, but uh, Des, I am contractually obliged to mention Man City. Uh, they are top of the league and I, I kind of always dismiss them thinking they're a bit dull. and then I watch them and they're really very good and very thrilling. They're going to be playing Southampton, a very uh, strange and uh, occasionally successful team, uh, Sunday at um, one thirty a.m. I mean, is there any chance of Southampton being a road bump for uh, Manchester City?
2: Well, yes, yeah, in Mary's, if uh, Southampton start well, can be a passionate place. It's like all of the away games. If, if, if the home team gets, gets their noses in front, then you feel, hey, there's, there's something potentially on here. And hassan uh, Hottle has, um, he managed to get a draw at the Emirates earlier on in the, stadium, uh, earlier on in the season. Um, admittedly, City weren't firing on all cylinders then. But if City get their noses in front, and so often City score early, and then the whole game changes because it means the home team have got to come on and attack or if they don't attack, City can play around and, and, and settle for a 1-0 or a 2-0. If they do attack, City will just counter and kill you on the, on the counter. So the first goal is so important. If that goes in, if St Mary's can get pumped and alive, if Southampton can have a little bit of fortune, then yes, it's possible. The rest of the league needs a couple of shocks. The rest of the league needs a blip for Manchester City. As I'm as I'm calling it, they they need it to happen, and they need it to happen fairly soon. Because if it happens later on in the season, you can stagger over the line, but it needs to happen now so that momentum for Liverpool or Chelsea or Tottenham um, uh, can 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 actually be built up, and and you can see, you can fa- feel that there's something to aim for. So, um, do I foresee it? No. Would I like it? Dead right, I would.
0: Hmm. Well, uh, in a moment, we're going to uh, cross to the other side, a different continent altogether. We're going to have a talk about the African Cup of Nations, but we're also going to talk about Derby County, because we need to, and finally, also the Malaysian game, here on off, On the Ball, sorry, of BFM
2: 89.9. It is a fine goal. Fine header, a fine goal. On the Ball on BFM 89.9.
0: And we're back with the final part of the show, and we're going to be uh, going around the world because uh, we're going to talk about uh, briefly about the Africa Cup of Nations. Now, two big stories have come out of that. Finally, the Africa Cup of Nations gets to the knockout stage, uh, and after the group stage, only eight teams get knocked out. So it's one of those round robins where basically everybody wins. But there were two big stories. Uh, one is the reigning champions, Algeria, were knocked out by Ivory Coast, but possibly the... I mean, one of the biggest football stories in the world ever, that uh, Tiny Comoros, the small, fourth smallest African nation, uh, just a group of islands, beat m- mighty Ghana. And there have been times in the past when I have watched Ghana and thought, they're going to win the World Cup. And, and obviously they don't. But uh, Bob... I'm going to to turn to you for this. You, you, um, I mean, African football. I think Ghana has been one of the leading lights over the years, Ivory Coast for that matter as well.
3: Uh, Yeah, yeah, they they have.
0: And uh, for Ghana to be knocked out, I mean, this is what. What's an equivalent? Is is there a bigger upset in world football that you can think of? Apart apart from England being beaten by Hungary.
3: England being beaten by Iceland in the uh, in the Euros or an FA Cup upset such as uh, Arsenal being beaten by Wrexham uh, about 20 years ago when Wrexham were 92nd and Arsenal were first in the first yeah, division.
1: Yeah, they were top of the table then, right? Yeah, the,
3: that was a pretty big one. I remember um, on that game. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it's in that league because the Comoros, I, I looked it up, the population of the Comoros Islands is 800,000. And it's it stuck between uh, Mozambique and Madagascar. They don't come much more remote than that. And they big Ghana, former winners, former champions, former hosts who supply players to the Premier League on a regular basis. Uh Party <laughs> um, looked as if he was still at the party didn't he last night um, when he uh, got sent off uh, against Liverpool but there you have uh, the sort of class I mean a guy who's playing uh, midfield for Arsenal uh, playing in the African Nations Cup and getting beaten by a side from the Comoros Islands uh, fantastic result for football and that's why we have these tournaments and that's why they're open to everybody and it's not a closed shop which is what of course the super league people wanted to do isn't it but that's football for you it's it's just fantastic and it's so, the game the tournament hasn't provided the cracking games that it usually has but it's still early doors in it uh, it's provided that major upset And I think that the second half of the tournament will be the one to watch. But it's uh, African Cup of Nations deserves a lot more respect than it gets. And I think um, it, you know, it's slowly winning people over. Did you notice they have four women referees? Yes. That's a bit of a surprise, isn't it? (laughs) You know, there are more women referees in that than there were in the World Cup or the Euros. Or the Premier
0: League.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: you know, I've been waiting for Sean Massey to finally get uh, an actual referee spot. Um, Des, you're a big fan of these regional competitions. Looking forward, are, are there any teams that you think we should keep an eye on, or that you're looking forward to seeing?
2: Uh, well, it's a story. It's uh, not far removed from Comoros, uh, Equatorial Guinea. Them getting through to the knockout stages. They, I, I, I know for a fact that their players had to uh, pull together money to get their flights uh, to the Cameroons, and there is no money in the Equatorial Guinea game. And yet they've managed to, by spirit, uh, for the first time qualifying, uh, make it through to the to, to the round of 16, where they're up against a decent Mali side, so the, the run, the dream run, will probably end them. But those fellas, when they go back... Home on the flights they paid for themselves. <laughs> they will be absolute national heroes, and no doubt they'll be fated uh, by such as, as, as the government and the football association there. But it's um, this is one of the reasons I I, I really support these um, these regional tournaments: the Suzuki Cup, the ASEAN Cup, the Asian Cup, etc. Because it's not only about your Germany's and your England's and your Brazils and your and your Ghanas. It's about your Comoros Islands, and what a story that is. It's about your Equator. Guineas fabulous football for all football is for everybody not just those with the deepest pockets
0: well uh, you know speaking of which goland you you stopped me in my tracks a while back when you when I was bad mouthing Paris Saint germain and you were saying that your that the you know, children who play on video games v fever and stuff the people who are the future of this game uh think you know they 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 love the stats of these players and they follow someone like PSG do you think that they would what would it take for them to follow africa cup of nations
1: well, again, the whole uh, mindset of the young boys, young kids now, I wouldn't say boys, is from PS, right? For all the PS4 and the PS5s, so it's the amount of stats that they have on their fingertips. You know, these are guys who can, my son can know players' names, players' positions that I've even forgotten of because of, the, of all these players being put on their screens. So they don't actually watch these players play. Yeah, which they eventually would know about this players through all the stats that they have going on because they have to be a football manager in PS and they have to play and all that. I think Arvin and Keish know to a certain extent what, what I'm talking about because they are big fans of this. So, yeah. You know, they all have the stats on their fingertips. They all know the players' names and all this stuff. So it's 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 the whole new game. And we we'll go back to the Super League being closed. The Super League was never going to be meant for the European East. The Super League was meant for, like, my son and everything in their generation. Because it's, that's all they know. There's no fan loyalty. Their loyalty is to players. Yeah.
0: So I guess, Africa, you know, a few superstar players. And it could be on the, on the map more. But it's growing. It's growing in such a every edition um okay no, i want to no,
2: no cam sorry I, I need to disagree the only reason we're talking about it is because uh, it's affecting the premier league that's the only reason that it's on the agenda of shows like this if yeah. it was just africa we wouldn't be talking about we don't talk about the east asia championship we don't talk about the saf cup uh, but we're talking about the afcon because it affects the english premier league yeah. so uh, so I, I i need to disagree with you it's 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 that's the only reason that we're talking about it yeah. good point good point
0: uh, OK, uh, well, let's go back to, well, not the Premier League, but the championship. Uh, there's a story that I've been following, and I find it really intriguing and sad. Derby County, the great Derby County, who we all remember, I think, didn't they have the... No, it was Sunderland who had the lowest point, point score ever. And uh, But there have always been a fixture, and they are in deep, deep trouble. Uh, they had 21 points uh, taken away. They might have more points taken away, and they might actually become... Insolvent, bankrupt, and it might be the end of Derby County any day now. Now, Bob, they are the arch rivals of your club, Nottingham Forest. Um, Have you been following the story and what is the situation now? Because I believe that the town are rallying behind and trying to save the club.
3: Yeah. Um, Let me declare another interest. Um, (laughs) My great uh, uncle actually played for Derby. Uh, My dad was a Derby supporter, but he moved to Nottingham, so he uh, didn't try to force Derby down my throat. Uh became a Nottingham Forest supporter and an notts County fan. Um, so you might think that I'm enjoying this. Um, no, I'm having a quiet chuckle uh, <laughs> because they did cheat, and I think they should suffer. But I don't think they should go out of business. I don't think any football club should go out of business. Um, it, it's fundamentally wrong. But the the problem is that they infringe the financial fair play rules by a simple ruse of selling the uh, ground. This is the chairman. He sold the ground to himself and overvalued it. And he put, it, put the, a figure of £80 million pounds down into the books to try to balance the books for financial fair play reasons. But the ground, of course, is only worth half that, if, if that. And this has finally caught up with him. And uh, rival clubs, uh, Middlesbrough in particular and Wickham, are pursuing them in the law courts as well. And they're in a deep hole. And they they don't deserve a lot of sympathy, but no one wants to see them go out of business. No one wants to see the end of the Forest Derby rivalry. And I don't want to see a town like Derby. They were uh, founder members of the Football League 150 years ago. And they, they're a one-club town, and They deserve to carry on. It's unfortunate that a businessman who got into debt uh, took this way out. He thought he could get away with it, um, but uh, things have caught up with him. They've got administrators in now, uh, and the only solution, unless there's a fairy godfather out there, Uh, The only solution is to sell their assets, who are several young, good players. But they've been hanging on to them to try to get a decent fee. And clubs have been offering, uh, you know, pittances for them. And Derby have rightly refused these offers, hanging on to, you know, to get some value so that they can save the club. But things are getting to a state of uh, reaching a bit of a deadline in that the uh, tax office needs to be paid, and they always come first. And uh, they could actually go out of business within a matter of days. So any bucket collections in the town that they can raise, I mean, the population of the town is about 140,000. They'll raise a fair bit, but they need millions. And if they can just stagger on, the hope is that someone somewhere will come in and buy them, thinking that they can, they've got an asset, even if they do get relegated, that they've got an asset that they can eventually turn around. And adding to the interest, just as we're interested in the AFCON because of the Premier League, Premier League connection, the other interesting thing here is that the manager happens to be Wayne Rooney, And he's doing a fantastic job. And there is even a chance, if they don't go out of business, that they could actually survive the 21-point deduction because they're winning matches. And he was nominated for the Manager of the Month in December. He didn't get it, but um, he was nominated, nominated. And everyone says that he's doing an absolutely tremendous job. And he's hardly being paid anything. He's sleeping in his office some nights having takeaway food from McDonald's and he's he's getting these guys to play and they all look to him as a father figure he's only 36 now but a lot of the kids he's put in are teenagers so you can understand they look and on him as a uh, an eminence grease a sort of wise old owl of the game And this is actually working in his favor because he hasn't got the big egos of the superstars to deal with. He's got these young kids who follow him. Hang on his every word. So that's another intriguing element to the plot. But no, no Forest supporter wants Derby to go out of business. And I don't think any football supporter wants any club to go out of business. We just want them to get the right ownership.
0: Well, I, 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 yeah, older listeners may remember Stuart Cavens, and uh, he's a Celtic fan, and he was delighted when uh, yeah. Rangers <laughs> went out <in> of <a> business. <laughs> but, Gogolin, uh, I'll we'll ask you uh, you mentioned Wayne Rooney there, and there's, um, there's a, a spot available at Everton, his old club. Wayne Rooney for Everton, he's, he's, uh, he's on the list. What do you think?
1: Oh, I'm glad you asked me this. I'm, I'm really. Th- big fan of Rooney as a manager now, and I think this is a great move for him to go to Everton right now. They need a young manager, to, someone they can call their own, a la like a Steven Gerrard coming back to Liverpool. This is similar to Rooney coming at Everton. He will be given a lot of leeway there. He will bring a lot of a sense of, what he you call it, a new breath of fresh air to the club. And with the players there, will start playing for him. I think Rooney to Everton is a match made in heaven. And you heard it first.
0: <laughs> okay we're going to uh, wrap up the show where i going to go to des Corkhill because it's uh, it's it's your malaysian football update because as as everyone has mentioned um there was no football before the premier league in england and uh, it came as a surprise to me to discover that there, there, there are actually games being played in other countries so uh des what's happening in the malaysian game
2: well, we're still in the uh, build-up to the, uh, the league season coming up. So transfer and uh, AFC Cup and AFC Champions League groups are kind of on the agenda. And a couple of interesting transfers to Johor Darrell Taksim. If you remember, they're the champions, but they didn't quite perform in the AFC Champions League and they lost the Malaysia Cup final. Well, they've made a couple of really interesting signings. They've got a lad called uh, Fernando Forestieri who used to play for Sheffield Wednesday. in an Argentine. So he's coming up to lead their attack. They bought a, uh, a fullback called Shami Safari as right-back. Uh, who's, who's uh, They bought him from Salango. And yesterday they added two Filipino players of Spanish origin, but they're Filipino, so they're Asian players. Carly de Murga, who's a central defender, and uh, um, uh, Maranon, who's um, a Spanish born but not eligible to play for the Philippines uh, so so that they're going down a little bit of a, a re, remake of, of their squad, and I think it's aimed at the AFC Champions League. So they're 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 worth looking at. There's a lot of money flying around at Sabah. Sabah have bought al Ghazali and Badro Bakhtia from Kedah. Uh, they've signed Kairul Farmi, the um, uh, Malacca and former Kelantan goalkeeper, and a player called Irfan Fazel, who was a, a real superstar maybe eight or nine years ago, star of the under 23s. And Onkim uh, Sui was always a big fan of him Ankin Sui is the coach of Sabah well he signed as well so I think Sabah might have an interesting uh, season and Salangor have gone down the route of uh, Jordanian players uh, um, Malaysia got wallowed by Jordan not so long ago and uh, a couple of players Bahar Abdul Rahman and Yazan Al Arab have signed as well as a really interesting Brazilian striker called Kion. so there's a, there's a lot of transfer activity going on it's, it's well worth keeping um, an eye on it and in the AFC Champions League the um, uh, Johor have been drawn against Kawasaki Frontale, one of the big, big names in in Japanese football, in in Asian football. So that would be a really good test. But they're also up against Guangzhou, who Chinese football has fallen off a cliff because uh, wages aren't allowed to be paid or they're paying locals only. So Guangzhou are beatable and there's also a qualifier um, who's got to be decided. So I think Johor, in the AFC Champions League, have got a real chance of progressing to the knockout stages. I say this every year. I really believe this year (laughs) because they their (laughs) squad changes and also because of of, of the the opposition. Kawasaki is just a a step above everybody else, but Johor have got a chance. And in the AFC Cup, Kedah and uh, Kuala Lumpur will be representing Malaysia, and KL got a draw where they're playing Tampanese of Singapore, and Boyan Hodak's old team, PSM Makassar, in, in Indonesia. There was a, a Myanmarese team in there as well, but the Myanmarese have pulled out of the AFC Cup. So, so there's a lot going on, and we're just building up to the charity shield between Johor and, um, uh, and K- Kuala, Kuala Lumpur City, and then the league starts in early March. Oh, very exciting.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. And uh, what do you call the league now, even before it's begun?
2: Malaysia Super League. Oh, well, no, why- well, uh, no uh, so uh, Johor will obviously be the team to beat. Uh, sooner or later, a team is going to put a consistent um, uh, run of games together, but I can't see anyone other than Johor taking this again. Nine in a row.
0: Hmm. OK, well, that, uh, thank you, Des, And that brings us to, I, you know, I, I, I hold my head in shame. I, I, I'm going to say it now that I, I, I don't know the Malaysian game as, as much as Des Gorkil. Um, but that brings us to the end of this week's show, and I thank Bob Holmes.
2: Thanks, everybody.
0: Des Corkill.
2: Looking forward to Villa versus Everton as well. Uh, that, 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 should be, that could be a bit feisty. Drunken Ferguson's Everton versus Stephen Gerrard <laughs> taking Villa back to Goodison Park. <laughs> yeah, that could be worth watching.
1: Mercy's Die Derby from the sightlines.
0: Indeed.
1: And Gogolin, thank you. Yes, cheers. Thanks. And yes, yes, we are looking forward to that. We actually invited the Everton fans to watch with the Willow fans today, all of 10 of us. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, and go, I apologize for not, uh, for not uh, looking more in depth at the uh, that game. Uh, so uh, thank you. And please join us on Monday for Off the Ball uh, here on BFM 89.9. Find save by the goalkeeper, spreading himself.
2: On the ball on BFM 89.9.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my
2: or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.